Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome. My name is Justin, and his name... Is Matthew. Yes, it is. And this is Out of the Woods, a Yellow Jackets podcast. Um, Matthew, how are you doing today? Great. <laughs> That's good. How are you? As uh, as yet, I've not asked you, and you've responded with terrible, so that's good. Yep. That, that I remember forward to that one. <laughs> at the beginning of the previous podcast, we talked about there's nothing sadder than an awful podcast with only one episode. So today, we are trying our damnedest to make that not the case. If you were listening to this, listener, it means that that is not the case. <laughs> so great. Maybe there's only two. That's also sad. In a way, that's even sadder, you know, because they cared enough to make two, but not... Anyway, let's not worry about that. Uh, what we are going to do today is talking about Showtime's Yellow Jackets. And just a reminder, although we are primarily discussing episode two today, this is not, Pete, not a spoiler-free podcast. So the entire season is fair game. You have been warned. And today we are discussing episode number two, F Sharp. Uh, Matthew, what did you think of it? Uh, interesting musical reference there. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but what did you think of the episode? It was good. That lady chopped off that dude's leg. Mm. That was good. Yes, yes, and we shall get into it. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I think that, obviously, the pilot is great, but this episode also, in actually setting up the new status quo of this of the crash, arguably even has the harder task than the pilot. And that is to set up the new status quo of the woods. And the crash is so important as a central traumatic event, as a horrid tentpole that you can't half-ass it. You have to really lean into the intensity and brutality of it. And they do. It's really good. A couple of minor problems, but this is a really good episode. So yeah, let's get into the recap. F-Sharp, directed by Jamie Travis, written by Ashley Lyle, Bart Nickerson, and Jonathan Lisko, who I also recently learned was the showrunner of the show Halt and Catch Fire. Matthew, have you seen that? Nope. It's good. It's about these people trying to invent the first computer. <laughs> it's good. Um, I haven't seen much yet. So yeah, uh, we open, and the plane crash is happening. Everybody's crying and screaming, and terrifying music is going like, oh, oh. the note I have here is just, plane crashes seem unpleasant. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, in the first in a long series of life not going very well for her, Van's oxygen mask won't descend, so she is punching the area above her seat in a vain attempt to make it come down, but it doesn't work. Everybody's crying and screaming and praying. Uh, Laura Lee and Lottie are holding hands and crying. It's actually very sweet. Misty is looking jealously at them. This begins a theme that will be very, very important this episode of her desperately wanting to be included. And then we cut to, rather bizarrely, to a flashback completely random, completely unexpected, of Misty ages ago. You know, in 92, I believe, when she is about 12 or 13, and she is in her room, and somebody calls her on her 
horrifying phone that looks like a pair of human lips. Like, Matthew, have you ever seen such a thing? No, no. It, it's Wasn't it messed up? Phone, yes. Yeah, it's just horrifying. And, like, this is an interesting. I think Misty parallels with Jackie a lot in terms of people that are really trying hard to fit in and perform societally approved femininity. But uh, Misty is quite bad at it. So I could see her just sort of seeing this phone being like, yes, that is a thing a normal girl would have. Absolutely. But <laughs> they would not. And the song Hold On by Wilson Phillips is playing. It's like. <laughs> But just faintly, just just faintly, and she receives a call from an extremely obnoxious young woman named Becky, who calls her to tell her that Robbie Delgado is telling everybody that they did anal in the gym teacher's closet. To which young Misty responds, "For your information, I've never even been in the gym closet," <laughs> which is not the main thing. And God, this scene makes me feel so bad for her. You know, like poor girl. High she just wants a bitch. Exactly. High school is a bitch, and so are the people she is talking with. Mm. And she says, well, you can think what you want. Opinion is the wilderness between knowledge and ignorance. That's Plato. <laughs> Good quote. Well, it was an episode. Yeah. But yes, yes. And, uh, <laughs> and yes. Ironically, Plato probably loved anal sex. He was in ancient Greece, so, you know. Yeah, they, they like that sort of thing. It was practically the national pastime. So yeah, back to the plane crash. Misty comes to and dramatically and scarily puts on her glasses. The scary choir music is there. The lady's going, ah, some poor chick has gotten impaled in the neck. You can see blood everywhere. Spoiler alert. This is probably the girl known as Rachel. That will be mildly important next episode, but not really. The flight attendant lady is running around on fire. That was really disturbing. And Ty and Lottie and some others get out of their seats and push open the door frenziedly. They go like, ah, push it. It's very, it's very intense. And uh, in the second example of things not going right for Van, her seatbelt is stuck. She is stuck in her seat. And as Jackie sort of coaxes Sean out, wait, because she's still on, on Valium, they're running out. And then Sean sees Van and tries to help her. And Jackie is like, hurry up. And they're, you know, desperately trying to get her out of there. But it's not working, and the fire is encroaching upon them. She's about to get burned, and then Jackie makes an executive decision and is like, we gotta go, and just grabs Shauna away from her. And they run out of the plane, and there's a great uh, line read from uh, Liv Houston, who plays Val. She just says, oh, Jackie! In a very sort of contemptuous way. It's very similar to... The only thing that is coming to mind is, do you ever read the comic The Perry Bible Fellowship? I did not. It's very good. It's, it's very well written. There's a bit where in an army made of bears, one of the bears is supposed to provide reinforcements for his fellow bears, but he gets distracted by eating some honey. And so in the radio, they're like, Sergeant Grumbles, where are you? Sergeant Grumbles! <laughs> and it was very, very similar sort of feeling to Van yelling, Jackie. So at this point, you basically think Van is dead. How did you feel about this? Uh, fine. <laughs> That's not a safe answer on this podcast, my friend. <laughs> we do not feel fine about that. But no, no. Fine, I, because I know that she lives. Exactly, of course. Yeah, I shouldn't have jumped on you there. It was, And also, I forget that sometimes other people aren't unhealthily, emotionally invested in fiction like I am. Yeah, so often you make that mistake. But but did, did you forget that she survived? Because you forgot a lot of things? No. Oh, yeah, you remember that? Cool, cool, good. So yeah, but the first time I watched it, I thought she was dead. I was like, Man, you, you killed off the the person who was played by the actor who was in like Santa Clarita Diet and stuff like that. That seems like a waste of resources. 
but they didn't, thankfully. So they listened to me. Mm. Yeah, well. Uh, yeah, so good job them. Sean is outside. She's like, we have to go back inside, but then the plane explodes. Ty is running around, desperately searching for Van, asking everybody where she is. So yeah, there's chaos outside the plane. Everybody is injured and running around like a headless chicken. And poor old Coach Ben is yelling. And then Misty goes to help him. His leg has been crushed by a bit of the plane. He's like, can you move it? And then Misty and all the other girls team up to pull the bit of the plane off of him and ugh, his, his shorter leg. Yeah, yeah, the bit as it kind of like stretches out as he tries yes. backwards. Yeah, Eesh. It looked kind of like red licorice. Yeah. Which is delicious, by the way. <laughs> That's the official position of this podcast. So yeah, and then everybody is sort of reacting horrifiedly to that, and then Shauna and Jackie walk into the scene, and Shauna is still upset about as she believes, leaving Van to die, and Jackie is like, there was nothing we could do. <laughs> and then Van is actually alive! Uh, she runs into the scene, and her face is kind of burned, but she's very much alive, and she just goes, surprise! And I thought that was... That and was, I bet they were. I imagine they were. And yeah, like, there's an extremely funny thing where uh, she immediately hugs Ty, and it's very cute, and Shauna just, like, walking past them gives her, like, a very subtle pat on the shoulder, as if to say, yeah, you're alive, good. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, everything's cool. This is good. There's no need for you to be mad at me. Huh. But yeah, yeah, actually. Everything's all fine, and this is the right show for everything to be fine. <laughs> Quite. Quite. Anyway, now feels a good time to, to ask your opinion on something. The, the ethical debate, you know, the dilemma of <clears throat> Jackie dragging Sean away from Van. How do, you, how do you feel about that? Do you think she made the right call? Do you think she was too hasty? Well, you know, in any crisis situation, you've got to think about yourself. Like, if Absolutely. you're going to end up dead, too, it doesn't make much sense. And and her best friend. Mm. But, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bummer and everything, but, you know, no. sometimes you've got to make hard decisions in life. I think it's both understandable that she made the decision that she did in the moment, and also understandable that Van kind of resents her for it. Mm. Particularly given that, as we saw in the previous episode, she already has kind of extreme abandonment issues from her mum being a neglectful drunkard. That'll that, mess anyone up. Exactly. That action probably activated a very, very old wound in her mm. brain. I think there are some things where you just have to accept that after you do them, that person is not going to want to be bosom friends with you, even if your reasons for doing so are understandable. Mm. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, move on from that. And while everybody's still futzing around, Misty gets an axe, which... What was the axe for? I have no idea. Like, Maybe it's like some sort of emergency an thing. But like, in the age of... I mean, this this was before 9-11, I guess. Yeah. But, and it's a private company. But still, do you want, a, want an axe on a plane? You know? I mean, as you established, they got no reason to think it's not a good idea. <laughs> And, you know, maybe it's, like, in the cockpit or something, so they can't use it to murder the pilot? I don't know. Quite. But then what if the what if one of the pilots or co-pilots goes crazy? Well, I guess that's a chance you just got to take. <laughs> Quite. So, yeah, yeah, anyway. She uses said axe to cut off Coach Ben's leg. Everybody is like, what the fuck, Miss? And she just goes like, help me move him! And it cuts to the song Mother Mother by Tracy Bonham, which is very good. They're like, I'm losing my mom, and everything's fine. <laughs> I really like that. And it cuts to Adult Misty, still played by Christina Ricci. The show is still trying to convince us that she could be considered unattractive. Yeah, that's not happening. I believe, when we watched the episode, I was like, she's Christina Ricci, she could be strangling cats in front of him, and he would still find her attractive. And you were like, I don't, wouldn't take it quite that far. You get what I mean. Anyway, on her date with this fellow, a somewhat boring, mustachioed gentleman called Stan... 
She is naming things that turn her on, and some of them sort of make sense, like muscular calves, but escalators? Knuckles? Steamed clams? Yeah, no, those are some strange fetishes. Yeah, when she goes on the escalator, she's just like, oh god. Oh god, keep it together, keep it together. <laughs> when she when Don't she, stop! Exactly. When she watches the steamed hams Simpsons episode, you just have to go like, ah, not this time, not this time. <laughs> and she, she is the exact opposite of that chick from the show you saw who's afraid of knees. Mm. She wants to see knuckles. She hates not seeing knuckles. Yeah, she loves the weird bits. Yeah. Things messed up. Anyway, <laughs> this guy seems very not into her, and she is clearly transparently trying to emotionally manipulate him and make him order wine. He really wants to leave. It's kind of sad. He seems not a spectacular individual, but she is also behaving quite unpleasantly and manipulatively towards him. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we come back to the past. Misty is helping everybody get bandaged. He's helping people bandage Ben's leg. You have to change the bandages hourly, and then that is like, if he even lives that long, she's like, don't say that. And Akila is trying to bandage young Travis, who's being kind of a chode about it, so she teaches how to do it better. And then Akila is like, I don't know how to do all this stuff. And he's like, I took the Red Cross babies at a training class. Twice. And you were saying, Matthew, you've also taken... Well, I did a first aid course. It's exactly. the same sort of deal. Yeah, yeah. Do you think you could comfortably dress wounds and amputate legs? Uh, I don't know about amputate legs. I yeah, don't think there was yeah. a huge coverage of that. It's, it's weird. I don't know that I would <sighs> want to hire a babysitter for my child who knew how to amputate legs, you know? I'd probably model my way through it. <laughs> I'm sure I could model along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're looking for something to disinfect Coach Ben's wound, and they're like, was there a bar cart? And then Lottie is like, there wasn't one, it's just soda. It's cheaper that way. She could have alternatively responded, we're children. <laughs> yeah, we're not allowed to drink alcohol. And then Laura Lee, but they do. Yeah, we well. learn, well, as you already knew, when Laura Lee's like, maybe somebody brought contraband, and now it's like, wow, nice. Yeah, everybody's looking at me. And then Miss is like, well, did you? She's like, well, of course. <laughs> but it's in my bag, I don't know where that is. Sprawler into the future, seemingly that booze manages to survive, which, good. So anyway, Van is, you know, trying to help everyone despite an extremely traumatic event just happening to her, which is very great. I know that I'd be doing that. And she lifts a bottle of sea breeze, like, like, face wash? I don't really know. Yeah, I have no idea what Something that like that. It's like, guys, how about this? And then Jackie is like, hey, that's... And then she looks at Jackie with a really bitch expression, with a sort of <laughs> Are you actually about to actually do this right now? Yeah. Are you actually that much of an enormous chodemeister? And so Jackie does a classic mid-sentence flipperoo and says, A great idea, Van. <laughs> and she looks at her with the most stunningly contemptuous facial expression. Rather scornful, yes. It's amazing. It's my, that is my letterbox profile picture. Yeah. So you, uh, out of the woods, super fans out there, you could try and track me down on Letterboxd via that if you care, which you probably don't. <laughs> That'd be quite a feat, considering you know it'd be a lot easier if you just gave them the name. Yeah, but I won't. Yeah. <laughs> ben has regained consciousness, but then Ty misleads him about the extent of his injury and is like, "You're going to be fine." And Misty takes her aside and is like, "We have to tell him." And then, in an amazing line read from Jasmine Savoy Brown, she says, uh, Are you really that psyched to tell Coach you chopped his fucking leg off with an axe? <laughs> Which is, is very interesting to me, because I think Ty is often the very blunt person who just says things how they are. So it's interesting that in this case, she's the one who's in favor of kicking that problem down the road. But, you know, everybody contains multitudes. Mm. Anyway, 
now I'd got- say telling him is probably better than just like waking him up with a hot axe to yeah, just dump. Yeah, it's a lot like. I mean, I don't think Ty would have recommended that as being the alternative, but you know, <laughs> it's a lot like in a Mass Effect Andromeda where you're talking to your sibling when they're in that coma, and you have the option to either tell them about all the horrible stuff that happened or not. You know, it's like, is it better to get it over with now? Or, yeah. Rip off the band-aid, so Indeed, to speak. Indeed, rip off the band-aid. Uh, spoiler alert, later in the episode, Misty decides to pretty horrifically rip off said band-aid. Oh. Yeah. We cut to 2021. Shauna is driving in the car. She calls Callie, who... Callie update. She still sucks. <laughs> she is vaping, because of course she is. Yeah. And she's like, it's me, Shauna is. And Callie's like, I know, do you not know how caller ID works? Shauna's like, do you not know how being at home works? And tells her to... See, I wasn't 100% sure about this. She says to either take out the chuck or take something out of the chuck. I think she means, like, steak. Right, right. So, oh, chuck steak! Chuck like steak! Like the YouTube channel! As in hilarious Michael Rosen whitey Pia chuck steak. Shout out, shout out to chuck steak. <laughs> Other stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, wow, that reference is going to be incomprehensible to 99% of people. Unlike all the other references we make to broadly understood pop cultural properties. Yep. Like that one Dario episode in Black Books. Anyway. Yep. So, spoiler alert, Callie will fail at this task. Shauna then rear ends a guy, and a fellow emerges from said car, a one dimensional floppy head hot guy by the name of Adam. And they have some banter for a bit. He tries to play off said crash and then she's like are you trying to be adorable with me does that usually work with you and then he points out that it's technically her fault and he says that being very charming i i'm not the biggest fan of adam as a character but i will admit that he can be very charming you know and he says that she took the worst of it so they don't need to get insurance involved so he sexily writes his number on her arm and holds it for an unnecessarily long time and what do you think the bit was about him uh, saying, if I asked for your phone, I'd probably end up in the hospital? <laughs> I think just that she was very angry. Yeah, I know, but like, obviously with the pretext of typing his number into it. Yeah, yeah, It. I, I think the thing there, Matthew, is that he just really wanted to touch her. Fair enough. He just saw her and instantly wanted to bang her, which is fair. Melanie Linsky is a very beautiful lady. And also... Or maybe he didn't. Maybe he's actually part of some nefarious plot. Or is he? Oh. Or is he not? We don't know. <laughs> we will eventually know. It cuts to Shauna and Jeff, who I think we are probably meeting for the first time in the present, in a creepily dark therapy office. I have to say, it was very lowly lit. It, mm. it's, it, look, it looks like a private eyes office in some cliche Hollywood movie, you know? Mm. It's supposed to be light and happy, so people are happy to tell you about their childhood trauma. Anyway... No, dark and depressing, so you can talk about all the weird Freudian shit that's giving you bother. You could also see it from that perspective. So, they say that they haven't been having sex in a while, the lady advises them that marriage lives up here, dies, points to groin down here. Yep. <laughs> and I she... thought sex was supposed to be good for a marriage, but apparently not. You heard it from the expert. I mean, I think the lady's point was that when you stop doing it, it is bad for a marriage. Uh... But, I mean... It could also be that they are doing it just very badly. <laughs> well, from funny. what we saw in the next scene, very much go so. along with that. Very much so, yes. <laughs> that lady, the therapist, then says that they should try some spicy sexual roleplay. And so they will, in the future. So it cuts to Misty and Stan, her date, in the car. He really doesn't want to come inside with her, but she manipulates him by saying, if you thought it was pretty, you'd come inside. 
and phrasing. Uh, and then he does, and then well, let's be clear: what she's trying to do is extremely creepy. <laughs> like that's not. When is it not? Yeah, well, quite. And he tells her about her parrot Caligula, and says, "Oh, he, he's harmless, but do shield your eyes if he comes for your face." And then it turns out the home is already occupied because Nat is there with a gun and is like, hello, Misty, you crazy fucking bitch. And then Stan, quite reasonably, is like, okay, I'm out of here. Also, I love how she has to swear in every sentence. Mm, mm, that's mm. probably in her contract. <laughs> and then Misty completely dispassionately is like, hey, Nat, it's been a while. Apparently... The implication is that none of them have talked to Misty since they were rescued. Which, you know, meh. I guess understandable, but so many problems would be solved if people were just nice to Misty. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, I understand why they aren't, but still. <laughs> anyway. and then Considering she, what happens in the future, you'd, you'd be like, yeah, it'd be a good idea. Want her on side. Yeah. To quote, I want to say Lyndon Johnson, it's better to have him inside the tent pissing out than outside the tent pissing in. <laughs> you know, keep your enemies close and all that. So yes, Fairly so, colourful metaphor, though. Yeah, he was full of those. He was full of other things, too. Yeah. Anyway, Nat is like, I take it you know why I'm here, and Misty is like, the postcard. She's like, yeah, the fucking postcard. She's like, so what does it mean? And Nat points again, and I was like, you tell me. What I love about this scene is that Misty's body language is so calm, she knows that Nat isn't going to shoot her. She knows it's an empty threat. She's like, hold that thought. So she painstakingly goes over to the cupboard and takes out a postcard and says, I got one too, silly. Mm. And says that it was from an online app, so the postmark is useless. And that is like, I don't know you didn't send that to yourself. And she's like, well, I... How do I know that you didn't? Exactly, also, exactly. Yeah. I could ask you the same thing, so I guess we'll just have to trust each other, which is a great little bit of writing that makes you think that she didn't send it to herself, but maybe she did. Yeah. you know, I wouldn't put a pasta. She's a nutbag. I don't think I would put anything past her anyway so she invites her to go over all of the info with her and says i have tea i have coconut la croix yeah which what even is that oh have you not heard of la croix <laughs> no. you haven't you haven't heard of i have not heard of whatever that is it's like fizzy water that slightly tastes like something <laughs> it's it's like uh, to, to quote a memorable joke about it it tastes like drinking some soda water while the person next to you is thinking very hard about a strawberry. <laughs> so it's like some sort of newfangled mineral water. Yeah, yeah, with very mild fruit flavor. Yeah, right, okay. I see what, I had, some, I had some coconut sriracha the other night on my noodles. It was really good. I think it's pronounced sriracha. Let's not start that again. They cut to them at a bar that Misty has never been to, which doesn't surprise me. And it shows Nat drinking a, a Pabst Blue Ribbon, and I was like, Nat is a PBR girl? I wouldn't have thought that, but then, as you correctly pointed out, she also has a shot. Yeah, which it's just to wash down the hard liquor. Yeah, yeah, hilariously. She's a serious drinker. She knows these things. Absolutely. Misty is like, uh, oh, you got me a drink, but she didn't. <laughs> which is like, oh, everything she does fills me with such compassion for her. I just want to give her a big hug. Misty has a giant briefcase, because of course she has. It's full of information about the crash survivors. It's news articles that I paused and checked. It's just Laura Mipsum. No Easter eggs in there. There's a campaign brochure for Ty, which I thought was cool. And she mentions that she's part of an internet community of people called Citizen Detectives. And Nat is like, what is that? And she's like, oh, we're like private investigators, except no one hired us or asked for our help. So in many ways, not at all like private investigators. Uh, more like vigilantes. Yes, yes, vigilantes. So yeah, they debate on what the postcard could be. Nat thinks it's a threat. 
Uh, Misty also has one of Jessica's cards. She also visited her and is, like Shauna, skeptical of her supposed journalistic identity. And then, Survivor Watch, Survivor Watch, big news. We discover there's a fake identity of Travis. He survived. He made it out of the woods. T-Rav is alive. T-Rav. Yes, under the name of John Garcia. And just as Nat is reeling from that information, something confusing happens. A fellow appears with a cool voice. And this fellow is Kevin Tan, the chap who had the portrait of an American family, Marilyn Manson T, from the pilot episode. He has all grown up, and he is now a cop. Yeah. And he doesn't remember Misty. She's like, it's me, Misty, from Fifth Period Spanish. He's like, oh, of course. He has, a, he has such a cool voice. I'm going to try to do it. I can't do it. He's like, you know, let me you know if you want to, you know, go to... Catch up for a drink after five years. <laughs> in a while. Still doesn't make up for the fact that his name has a Y in it. Yeah, it's very confusing. And you said, wouldn't it be weird if Travis was also spelled with a Y? <laughs> and that was like, I guess I have a type. <laughs> yeah. He used to be Nat's best friend, as we know. He is stunned by seeing her. Apparently they haven't talked in the past 20 years. He leaves his card. And Mr.'s like, didn't it used to be friends? And Nat is like, Best friends. So yeah. Evidently not forever. Evidently not forever. And, well, nothing lasts forever. No. As Ultron would say, a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. Deep, man. <laughs> yeah. Not particularly. Anyway, <laughs> if I have a criticism of this scene, it's slightly muddled. Because it starts out and you think it's about Travis, and an entirely other guy shows up and the scene just becomes about him, you know what I mean? It's, it's a little like, a little bit of whiplash for the audience who's still trying to learn everyone's name, and you're like, what, what? Yeah, and that especially fucks with me, because I'm not good at that stuff at the best of times. You'll get there. You'll get there. If they were forced to have two scenes, it would probably be kind of awkward in a different way, so I get why they did it that way. Anyway, we cut back to the past, and Misty is going around helping everybody, and helps put another girl's arm in a sling, and Aquila opines, man, Misty is awesome. And I agree, Aquila. And then... Harvey is walking towards the plane wreckage to try and find his dad, and Taisa sees that and goes to head him off and tells Nat to go find Travis. And I think by doing that, she created the chain of events that would lead to the Travis and Natalie, or Travelee, relationship. <laughs> Good job, Ty. You created Travelee. Hope you're proud of yourself. Good job. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 kinda, I, I like the relationship between them. Some people don't, but that's cool. Anyway, Nat goes over to Travis and is like, your brother's trying to get back on the plane. I think he's looking for your dad. And this is a really good scene for Kevin Alvis, who plays Travis. He is acting so well in his like emotionally burned out, understated sort of register where he's like, he was helping one of you idiots put on an oxygen mask and he uh, fell out. <laughs> and I, lo I just love the understated way he plays it. And then she's like, yo, that fucking sucks, but your brother is still alive. You should help him. And he's like, Maybe you should mind your own fucking business, <laughs> which is shitty. But like, you know, he's just experienced a very traumatic event. I think you got to cut him some slack. I mean, how do you how do you feel about Travis? A lot of people don't like him. Do you like him? Do you just like him? Oh, he seems fine. If a bit of a you know chode bag to use one of your neologisms. Yes, yes, he's very chode bag adjacent. But I like him anyway. Anyway, we cut forward in time, and Ty is going to home to her beautiful wife and son, and. Uh, she has some food, and then Simone upbraids her for skipping the parent-teacher conference, which we know was to meet with Shauna, but she claims it is from strategy meetings, and she is buying Sammy's affection with pastelitos. I love the cute way they say pastelitos. And then she's like, how did the parent-teacher interview go? 
and Simone asks Sammy to go watch TV, and I was like, man, their entire relationship is just them telling Sammy to leave the room so they can talk about how fucked up he is. Which, you know... That is all they do. <laughs> Which, you know, I think... Everybody's a- got to have a hobby. Yeah. And from what I hear, that's a pretty realistic depiction of parenting. Simone tells Ty that Sammy is having a hard time making friends, and then Ty hilariously says, do we know for sure the other kids don't suck? She's <laughs> amazing. No, definitely not. I love her so much. And she's saying maybe putting him in public school was a mistake. And someone's like, no, no, education is the cornerstone of your platform. And Politics Watch, we now know something else about Ty's actual platform. Apparently education is the cornerstone of it. In other episodes, they will say it is zoning reform. So who the hell knows? (laughs) But I'm trying to aggressively keep an eye on this to see if it is all portrayed consistently at all. Uh, But anyway... It cuts to Sammy watching the TV with his absolutely terrifying doll that looks like him with a creepy ah music is playing. Sammy is fucking terrifying. That actor who is named Aiden Stocks with two X's is that not such a cool name? <laughs> Coolest name ever. He sounds like he should be the, the singer of a new metal band or the main character of a video game shooter from 2006. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, shout out to Aiden Stocks. Fantastic performance as Sammy makes him terrifying as fuck. And cool last name. Very, very cool. Put a pin in things ending with X's. (laughs) So we cut from that to another scene of marital conflict where Sean and Jeff are about to bang. And Jeff is ripped. The dude is fucking packing some muscular heat. And as you (laughs) noticed, he briefly grabs his dong for no reason. I just say, like, just making sure everything's still there. Just checking. <laughs> hey, you gotta, once you're a man and reaches a certain age, you gotta, you gotta check, you know? <clears throat> Let's make sure everything hasn't spontaneously disappeared, you know? As Solomon Rand would say, you're looking for a lump in lumps. So that's difficult. <laughs> anyway, they, the two of them role play as furniture seller and furniture buyer, respectively, which I'm like, Jesus, Jeff, that's what you do for your job. That's very unimaginative. You could be anything, you could be sexy astronauts. You could be sexy brachiosaurs. You could be sexy mitochondria. You could be the X-Files main characters. (laughs) You could be in that terrible movie that the guy from the X-Files was in, Progeny. Wait, there was a dude from the X-Files in Progeny? Was Are you thinking of that that dude who played the the mummy dude in The Mummy? Probably. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. My point is that they could be anything. So yeah, she takes on the persona of a British woman named Tabitha. She's like, My armoire! It's it's too big. I should have taken measurements. <laughs> He's like, you you making fun of me? You making fun of me? <laughs> and then they're canoodling about, and he sees Adam's number written on her arm. He's all like, you're onto an accident today. I have some conflict about that. And she's like, I'm fine, by the way. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I can see you're fine. Everything's collapsing. It's not working. They're both, you know, dry as a bone. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm just going to go jerk off and watch Sports Center. Which, like, how related are those activities? Uh, I, 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 who knows? I hope you're not crossing the streams there. <laughs> like, you finish just as it starts, and you're looking at Tom Brady's face, you're like, okay, this has awakened something in me. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, US yeah. listeners, for referencing the most basic and obvious football player. The only other one I can think of is Michael Vick, who was convicted of dogfighting. So. You, you did better than than me. I literally have none. Right. Well, that's... I think that's, you know, if anything, a point in your favor. <laughs> we should know stuff about our own sports landscape, but we don't. Anyway. 
So it cuts back into the past where Jackie says she hates me now as she and Shauna are hanging out and Van is contemptuously moving the sodas around and glaring at Jackie with an expression of pure hatred. And Shauna's like, you just have to give her time and I don't think that's going to work. And then Jackie says, for the record, I was trying to save you. And it's like, well, duh. I should hope you weren't motivated by a desire to let her die. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, of course you were trying to save her. I should bloody hope so. It would have been funnier if the inverse happened, though. Yeah, and she was just like, I just really wanted that person to die, and I got an opportunity to... Ugh. That is not the case. I don't think Jackie wants her to die. I think Jackie is not perfect, but I don't see her in the way that some viewers of the show see her as this bullying mean girl. I think she's a kind-hearted, if unspectacular, young woman thrust into a position that she could not possibly fulfill. And she's more often unintentionally offensive insulting and insulting than intentionally so. But yeah, we'll, we'll see more of that as we go along. Lottie is looking for her bag. She really wants something that is inside it. We will later find out that these are her don't-go-crazy pills. And Laura Lee retrieves her teddy bear, Leonard, which... Weird name for a teddy bear? That's the name of a guy that works in marketing. That's not a teddy bear name. <laughs> like, Pilchard or Scruffty. Those are teddy bear names. Who has a teddy bear called Pilchard? I don't know. Someone. Or like Admiral Patches. Sergeant Sergeant. That was a very bizarre reference for me to make. Added to the pile. Yeah, uh, viewer who is currently thinking that was a bizarre reference for him to make. I know, I know. Also, don't you mean listener? Yeah, uh, yeah. I Try and be consistent here. <laughs> yeah. It's too bad they can't see that expression you just made at me. They yeah, can't. Pretty good. Because, as you just said, they are listeners. Anyway, <laughs> Laura Lee retrieves Leonard, and then blood drips down onto the teddy bear, and initially it looks like it's from Laura Lee, so I'm like, oh, is she injured? But no, it is in fact from a person up in a tree. She starts screaming. The camera pans up before we see who it is. Everybody runs over to her. Harvey yells, Dad! And his voice breaks in the middle. And we see that it is, in fact, Coach. So, oh no! I'm impaled in a tree! This isn't very good! How am I gonna get out of this one? <laughs> well, you're not. <laughs> in a very literal sense, he is. Well, fair enough. Yeah, I yet another opportunity for me to do my famously inaccurate Coach Martinez accents that doesn't even a little bit sound like him. And then, oh, this entire scene is amazing. It is just, oh, chef's kiss. Spectacular, horrifyingly dark, yet hilarious. And then Misty looks up and says, holy macaroni, which is adorable. Very wholesome. Yeah, is that, and then that is like, he's gotta be dead, right? Which, yes. And then Shauna, like, Wax her and mouths. What the fuck? Because Harvey is right there. But it, like, I'm sorry. He, she, he's got to be dead, you know. And they're like, Oh, so you would think. <laughs> well, why? They're they're hypothesizing about what to do. And then Jackie, trying in vain to hold on to her authority as team captain, despite the fact that it has already begun to dissipate, with Van turning against her and Misty taking over the leadership role. In terms of post crash preparations, she still tries to use her authority, and says, who has the best arm? And Mari, who is still seemingly loyal to her, says, I do, Jackie. And she's like, I'm thinking we could throw things at him and see if he moves. Which doesn't really help, because, okay, so he does move. How are you then going to get him down? Yeah, exactly. Like, what does that even achieve? Yeah, and Ty says, in a yet another 
fucking amazing line where he's like, you want to throw rocks? A coach who fell out of a fucking plane. <laughs> it's just a beautiful sentence. Like, it just goes up and down. It's like... <laughs> a syntactically beautiful sentence. And she's like, I didn't say rocks. Somebody's shoe or whatever. Van is like, oh, yeah, that's a fuck ton smarter. You're on fire today, Jackie. Oh, wait, that was supposed to be me. I mean, wasn't it, though? Well, well yeah, she's making a joke about that. Well, yeah. So what do you... Okay, well, okay, it's inaccurate to say that she's making a joke about it. It's more accurate to say that she's throwing it in Jackie's face. Yeah. But yes, she's... Throwing a bit of shade around. Indeed. She's very much not over that yet. And, understandably, I have to say, and then Laura Lee suggests we could lower him with ropes. <laughs> she just turns to look at her and she's like, vines then? I don't know. And that is like, Fuck's sake, Laura Lee, we're not going to Tarzan him out of a tree. Which is a very funny mental image, so I think they should have tried that. That would have been great. And before this tedious debate that cannot really be resolved because there is really no way to get him down from there safely can go any further, Travis runs over and is like, Dad! And runs up the tree and is really intense and emotional and tries to get him and, like, runs out onto the limb. There's not much tension in here because we know that he survives. Funny pen in that. I want to talk about the fact that you know that certain people survive and how that makes certain scenes interesting and does a dramatic tension in an interesting way. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. He tries to get his dad, he's impaled on the tree limb, and just as he's doing that, Misty runs against some blankets and they use it to make like a blanket catchy thing that firefighters use. <laughs> and it doesn't end up turning out to be that no, useful. No, it does not, but it was a good thought. And Travis is going out on a limb, literally. So to speak, yeah. And he's just reaching over to Kodmin and is like, I'm still alive! And then he falls down and dies. Yep. Oh no, I'm dead! Real bummer. Oh, and I have to say, you know, the scene of him falling and hitting the earth with just a sickening crunch and everybody like turned around not wanting to look at him and just terrified and crying and then it pans over. Soundtrack still making the ah, noises. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, Hands over. And the fucked up symbol is written on the tree! Because previous to this point, you were thinking that that was maybe something organic that they developed. But no. It was waiting for them. Mm. And yeah, fantastic scene. Absolutely loved that. Cuts forward to the future, where the symbol is on a postcard that Ty has also received. So we know she got one of those too. Simone comes in and asks Ty to read to Sammy. Because apparently, she's better at the voices. I'm like... It's the middle of the afternoon. Is that the normal time to be reading to your small children? Yeah, like, isn't that, like, exclusively a before-bed activity? Yeah, that's the way it always happened with me, but I don't know, maybe it's different now. Hey, maybe hey, it's Ty's... it's time to break tradition. Ty's so busy with her political career, I guess she's got to squeeze it in wherever she can. Phrasing? Yeah. Anyway, uh, Simone says that Sammy's room is, like, Dracula's crypt there, and I'm like, really, Simone? That was your best offer? <laughs> that's what you're going with hope that before you were a stay-at-home mom you weren't an improv comedy i'm sorry for being mean to you simone you are like one of the one and a half morally good people on this show who's the half uh no no laura lee is another full like uh, uh, uh we got two and a half and then the half is kevin ah <laughs> anyway she's in there reading to sammy and he's like i don't want to read anymore and then he says that he wants to go to the park 
but that he has no friends, which sad. <laughs> and then Ty is like, I'm your friend Sammy, which gave me big Norman Bates vibes. And so to entertain him, she uses Shadow Puppetry to create a bunny, a snail, and a wolf. And the wolf then turns on the wall into a bizarrely realistic wolf. Mm. And it's vaguely terrifying, and is foreshadowing Ty having an issue with members of the Lupine family. <laughs> mm. So she freaks out, tries to open the window, and finds a bunch of fucked up drawings on the window, and Alive of Anne Watch, do 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 Alive of Anne Watch, one of the drawings is of a red-headed girl, with a love heart between her and what is clearly meant to be fucked up Ty. And I somehow doubt that in her bedtime stories to Sammy, Ty's been like, yeah, I used to date this really hot red-headed chick. Oh, oh, has it been revealed in the show yet that they are dating? I just fully spoiled that. Hey, hey, I warned you at the outset that we were doing full spoilers. <laughs> no one said it'd be easy. <laughs> So yeah, that's one of the things that make me dearly hope that Van is alive in the present. And she looks at all the fucked up drawings and she's like, why did you do this? And Sammy's like, so she can't see me. The lady in the tree. She watches me at night. And she's like, what do you... Tell me what you mean. Look at me, tell me what you mean. He's like, I just did. And she's like, Sammy. And he, terrifyingly, is like, Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. Mm. So yeah, good job, Aiden Stocks, at scaring the absolute willy boots off of me. So yeah, in the latest round of Callie sucking, she fails to retrieve the chuck, and Shauna is being frustrated at this, because she's like, what am I going to make for dinner? And then Adam calls Shauna, and she says, hey there, Rhea Ender, which, foreshadowing. Phrasing. At a certain point in the future, she tells him to wait face down on the floor, so I think it could be a a very meaningful name. And he says that he's actually the guy who works at the auto repair shop that he gave her the number of, and he's willing to do it for free, or possibly for the price of dinner with her. He transparently wants to bang her. Uh, Shauna slaughters a rabbit that she finds in the garden, much the same one that she kills previously, and she skins it and removes the organs, and it's terrifying. Apparently this was made with magnets. Huh. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess that's why I'm not a guy whose job it is to make realistic fake dead animals out of magnets. No. So yeah, we cut back to the 96 timeline. There's a sort of funeral procession where they're moving Coach's body in the big blanket landing area that turned out to be useful for something after all. Sad music is playing. I notice that Jackie is not helping move the giant blanket. Whereas everyone else is, but she isn't. An early example of her not really pitching in. It will not be the last. And Sean is comforting Harvey, you know, put a hand on his shoulder. It's actually very sweet. She's more or less the only member of the group that ever remembers that he exists. Harvey, more like Hoovy, <laughs> is, is usually what they would say. But not, uh, not her, sometimes. And yeah, Nat and Travis are at the back. They're not helping her, but I guess it's understandable because Travis just witnessed his dad die. And Nat holds out the bottle to him and introduces him to alcoholism, which will be a lifelong and fruitful endeavor for him. As it always is. <laughs> Talking of alcoholism, Nat is boozing out and dancing around in her hotel room in the present while Peaches is playing. And she's, you know, totally going crazy. Fun time. Classic Juliet Lewis. And she calls Travis because she found his phone number in Misty's effects. 
And the voice for Travis is just blatantly that of young Travis, of Kevin Alves, so I guess his voice didn't really change. Mm. For all those drugs he supposedly did, his voice remained very youthfully smooth. Maybe they just delayed puberty indefinitely. Mm, mm, as a result of trauma. Mm. Hey, that can happen. There you go, case closed. So he, he completely blanks her and is like, I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. And uh, that's sad. So I'm fascinated by their relationship. I just presume they were living some horrible, like, Hunter S. Thompson, Charles Bukowski, and his wife-esque escapade of driving around the whole country, doing heroin they brought with their plane settlement money, (laughs) getting into horrible fights and then breaking up and then getting back together again. Horrible, horrible experience, but potentially dramatically fruitful. I'd very much like to see some of that. Yeah, we cut to Sean and Jeff and Callie at dinner. Callie still sucks. Jeff is complaining about the customer expecting... Great quality furniture is like, what does he want? Altamura leather? Mortis and tannin joints? <laughs> I, I don't know why Jeff sounds like Carl from Aquatine Hunger Force. I ain't no fruit, I'm about to prove it to you. <laughs> hand banana, no, I'm your father! I'm your father, hand banana! Another reference nobody's gonna get. No, except people who are cool. Anyway, <laughs> you probably know this, and I don't. What are mortis and tannin joints? They join pieces of timber together. Mm. Cool. It's like there's a pointy bit and a holy bit, and they go together. I'm really glad you explained that at my level. <laughs> You're welcome. That's beautiful. But anyway, so Jeff's like, this chili is really good. And Sean is like, yeah, I killed a rabbit because Callie forgot to take the chuck out of the freezer because she sucks. Yep. Callie still sucks. Yep. Uh, we will update you if that changes. And even if it doesn't. <laughs> and she talks about skinning the rabbit chin to anus. And Jeff seems to find this kind of hot. And yeah, amazing performance from Melanie Linsky. She is so unsettling and creepy. Anyway. And at least the whole plane crash thing taught her some skills, you know? Yes, it taught her a lot of skills, actually, yeah, yeah. as we will see. So then, the song Glory Box by Porter's Head begins playing. Nat lights a twig, a bunch of twigs, and blows the fire in a really cool way. She looks really aesthetic and cool doing it. And the girls have grouped all of the dead in the plane and they are using the Yellow Jackets exclamation point banner to cover them that kind of reminded me of the movie The Hole. Uh, have you seen that movie? That, that's the one that you hated, right? No, no, I hated John oh, and the John Hole. Oh, John and the Hole. This was like a semi-good version of that movie. Ah. It's some, some British private school boarding kids are trapped in a bomb shelter and they're like starving and one chick dies. So they cover her body with a pink inflatable raft. So as to not see her. Hmm. It's a really fucked, it's a fucked up movie. I'll have to give it a watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kira Knightley is in it. Lottie retrieves her pills. And on, on my first watch through, I think I thought that things would be happening at a much faster pace. So I was like, oh, next episode, she's going to go crazy and kill everyone. Like my, my internal calibration was all off for like how fast events were moving. But I'm glad events move at a slower pace because it gives you time to really get to know the characters. Yeah. This isn't Battle Royale, you know. Well, that is a great movie, but, you know, it's a different tone. And Shauna is still comforting poor Harvey, putting her hand on his shoulder. Ah, oh, the poor lad. And she says that she's sure the plane has an emergency transmitter and they'll be here to rescue them in a few days. Lol. <laughs> mm. They obviously haven't seen this show, have they? Yeah. <laughs> Watch the show that you're in sometime, guys. Yeah, dude. I actually read a I actually read a fan fiction about the show where it was revealed that 
the plane crash and everything was all just a dream that Shauna had. And she was like, and you were there, Nat, and you were played by Juliette Lewis. She was like, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and also, yeah, they made fun of Van's ability to survive basically anything. At this point, I'm convinced that Van is the same species as the creature from The Thing, and that their plan for rescue should be for her to tunnel through the Earth's surface. <laughs> Ends up in rural China somewhere. Let's just everybody climb inside you, and you can van us to safety. <laughs> she's, a, she's a transformer. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> That'd be awesome if she would literally transform into a... Yeah, if, if I know she's dating Ty, but if she also had something with Lottie on the side... There could be women with Ven. <laughs> and Van could park in the lot? Uh, I don't know. Ah, ah, <laughs> ah, ah. Man, that, that should be their like portmanteau hypothetical couple name, like a parking space or something. <laughs> i got to say, the end of this season sets up fertile ground for a parking space shit. Parking, parking lot. Ugh, this is good radio content. Anyway, <laughs> Jackie says that they should conserve food, which... You know, I gotta give credit. Props to Jackie, that's actually a good idea. But they're still kind of in shock as to the real situation, so Van is like, in a gloriously contemptuous tone of voice, you want to save the corn nuts! <laughs> Which was amazing. And Ty is wandering around and goes over to Mari, who is standing sort of in shock, and she's like, you okay? And it's like, Ty, she's not okay, nobody is okay. Yep. <laughs> Have because... you seen this show? Yes, yes. <laughs> Have you seen the events that you were in? Have you seen the moon? <laughs> so Amari replies, looks like you did Ali a big favor by breaking her leg. Because that means that she wasn't on the plane and could not be part of this. Yeah. A real favor. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, she's she's probably watching this right watching the news event about them going missing right now and aggressively making it all about her. Mm. And she will be doing the same thing for the next quarter of a century. As you do. So we cut back to Shauna and Jeff. And she's like, oh, my new bed needs testing. And Jeff, and they're all, you know, running the high of animal slaughter and hearing about animal slaughters. They presumably go off to have some very good sex. So in this part of the episode, things seems to be looking up for the Sadeki shipman marriage. And there's a, a scene in the past. There's just the sound of the fireplace, that the fireplace, the fire that they're all around. There's a very tense scene. Everybody's sort of scowling and sad and stressed out. A lot of tension. Laura Lee looks particularly stressed out. And then Ty says to her, you okay, Laura Lee? Which, no. to just quote myself from 10 minutes ago, nobody is okay. And she's like, this is all my fault. I did something really bad. And she talks about how Mrs. Brophy, great name, was yelling at her and her piano lesson because she couldn't hit F sharp, F sharp, the title of the episode, which is a great title. And so she called her a bad word. She's like, just in my head. but. God heard me, and now we're all being punished. It's like, oh. If the human brain has a tendency to think that tragedies are all your fault, because then it's comprehensible and you could conceivably stop them. It's yeah. disturbing when you realize that we're in a random and uncaring universe. Yeah. And, like, you know, even if there was a God, like, it'd be a bit rich if he condemned you for having a mm. thought. Yeah, she's, I mean, it's, it's like that episode of Smiling Friends where... He's like, hey, Grandma, what are you doing in hell? And she's like, after I said, God damn it, after a burglar shot my husband in the face in 1943. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
One strike and you're out. It's, uh, it's Calvinist heaven. Yep. But anyway. Down um, to the bad people zone. And so Ty is sort of just playing along with this. It's just like, what did you call her? <laughs> she, she's so cute. She just like whispers. Which, from our perspective as Australians watching this, that word is not a big deal. No, no, that's like, you know, every second sentence material. Exactly. It would just be like, uh... Hey, Laura Lee, how's it going, you old cunt? You raiding cunt? Exactly. She would be quite offended by that. But we and then, then there's howls of derisive laughter, yes? Howls of de- Oh, it's not even derisive. I think it's just they find it ridiculous and hilarious and everybody is just laughing. It starts with Van and Ty, like, sort of wax her to keep her quiet, but then she also starts laughing. Everybody just starts laughing. It's a thing after a massively stressful and horrifying day. You just need something to let the tension out. Everybody thinks it is the funniest fucking thing in the world. And even Laura Lee is laughing, which is great. She she is on side. Then everybody feels a little bit better. Yes. A little I, more at ease. It's such a beautiful scene. I love any scene like that that's just people finding joy in a horrifying situation. You ought to take it where you can, especially in this show. And everybody starts confessing bad things that they have done. And Lottie is like, I steal shitty clothes from TJ Maxx. <laughs> and then Van's like, what? And she's like, I steal them and I return them. And I have thousands of unused dollars in TJ Bucks. Yeah, and this is a show, uh, a shop I didn't even know existed. So over here, they're called TK Maxx. Yeah, didn't know about. In fact, yeah, apparently that scanned better. And yeah, it's thing I just wanted to complain to you about. TJ Maxx is spelt M A X X, rather like the last name of the fantastically talented Aiden Stocks. Mm Hmm. I wonder if Aiden Stock has ever gone to TJ Maxx. The currency at TJ Maxx is called TJ Bucks. That should be spelled B-U-X-X. Yeah, TJ Maxx. missed opportunity. Exactly, but it's not. It's just the regular word, Bucks. Yep. TJ Maxx, TJ Bucks. The opportunity was... Staring them in the exactly. face. Exactly, it was coquettishly gyrating on a piano with its arse out. They didn't take it. What the hell, TJ Maxx? Yeah, well. I'm going to, in my notes for this episode, I wrote TJ Box as B-U-X-X, and nobody can tell me otherwise. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you are the master of your own notes. Jackie's confession is that she used to pause during the show of The Color of Night and look at Bruce Willis's wang. Which, you know, could have picked a worse. No, yeah, yeah, I would take him over, like, Jonathan Taylor Thomas or whatever the guys we were into in the 90s. No, like Edward Norton or something. Not I don't know. But yeah, um, uh, shout out, Bruce Willis, having a bit of a tough time lately. Sorry, man. Yeah, that's got to be rough, hey? Yeah. Anyway, during this scene, something that I completely missed the first time I watched it, but the creators make no effort to hide, and it's just, it's just out there in the open. Misty puts the axe in the fire to heat it and walks away. I just didn't notice that because my attention was taken up by Jackie talking about looking at Bruce Willis's dick. And then everybody's laughing about that, and then... Jackie turns to Sean and is like, what about you, Shipman? Any secrets big enough to crash a goddamn plane? And in our heads, we're thinking, yes, the secret is that she is banging your boyfriend. And I'm like, how would the show be different if she just told her that right now? Everybody just is like, what the fuck? Yeah, just that's a little dark. Because they're not fully in the wilds yet. They would still care about that. So it would really, maybe it's like ripping the bandit off. Maybe they'd be better off. Anyway. So she's about to say something. I still don't think she would have revealed that, even if they hadn't been interrupted by what they're interrupted by. I think she's desired to take that one to her grave. But anyway, interrupted by Coach Ben going, 
<laughs> because Misty has gone over to him and is like, your leg is gone. I chopped it off. And her line reading of that is fantastically terrifying. And he's like, no, no. And she cauterizes the wound by smashing the hot, well, not smashing, but pushing the hot axe onto his stump. And the pain causes him to pass out. And we went, go to sleep, boy. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Dream. 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 <laughs> Man, I feel like Misty could totally watch Trash Humpers and be like, this is just some normal guys hanging out. <laughs> it was just a normal hanging out movie. I think she could watch the movie Audition and be like, what a nice, normal movie. <laughs> Which, mind you, I've seen multiple guys who are like, man, where do I meet my crazy Yasami? Oh, really? I've heard everyone's just like, yep, that's why I'm never dating again. <laughs> yeah, but she might be a, you know, lip-stabbing psychopath, but she is hot. But, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. Indeed. Nobody's perfect. So yeah, that's the scene, and they run over, and they're like, what the fuck, Misty? And she's like, I had to stop the bleeding, for good. So yeah, we cut forward in time, and Shauna and Jeff have just finished bangeranging, and he's like, thank you for shopping with us, Tabitha. Everything seems great, but then she reaches over to his phone and sees that he has received a text from a woman called Bianca. Yeah, Shauna and Jackie sleep with their heads next to each other in the past. It's actually really cute. Lottie is sleeping troubledly, sort of Waking in fits and starts. Misty is creepily awake, looking into the fire. She goes off to urinate. And as she's doing so, she overhears Van and Laura Lee talking about how amazing she is and that they would be screwed if not for her. And there's a little, little moment that I love that is really cute where Van is like, Thank fucking God she was here. Uh, sorry. She apologizes <laughs> for taking the Lord's name in vain. Van is. I love Van. <laughs> Have I mentioned that before? I love that. I'm sure you've covered that. Yeah, she is She is my fave. And uh, Laura Lee's cool too. This, to me, is one of, I think, the slight flaws of the episode. Because they, they wanted to have the stump cauterization. Mm -hmm. But that just happened. So I would think it would be more likely that Laura Lee and Van would not be talking about how amazing Misty was. They would be being like, can you believe she cauterized that guy's leg? I don't know. That's my perspective. Maybe they were able to very quickly understand the utility of that. That's just my two cents. So yeah, Samantha Henrati, who plays the young Misty, is amazing. Even when she mimes urinating, she manages to be terrifying. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, as she is there, she finds the flight recorder. Mm. And she is thinking, I must smash that. Exactly. <laughs> oh no, if we get found, I will go back to being made fun of for having anal again. <laughs> and I didn't even have anal. What a to-do. The cast to the All future. the ridicule without the fun. Exactly. <laughs> it's like that time I fell down on a bus and the guy thought I was drunk, but I wasn't. I was just uncoordinated. <laughs> Which is the bad part of being drunk without the fun of being drunk. Yep. Nass is in the present and she's having car trouble. Misty drives up beside her and toots creepily. A very disturbing horn honk. And she's like, car trouble? And it's like, how did she know? She knows because she sabotaged your car. And she's like, she's thinking of taking a trip to see Travis. So Misty very kindly offers to drive her to see Travis. And then she's like, why do you have two coffees? She's like, I always get two of everything. And just lists a bunch of things she gets two of. One of which is pretzels. Pretzel watch 2022. Pretzels will be important later in the show. And that is a thing that links Misty to another character and maybe have people have theories about. But yeah, pretzels. Put a pin in pretzels. Pears? Because, you know, you can't just have one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they come in pairs. Thank you for saying the thing. <laughs> You're welcome. 
<laughs> anyway, anyway, they drive off, and it goes back to the past. Get back, back to the past. And Misty is ripping out the wires while Hold On by Wilson Phillips plays. Great song. It's like, hold on. Things are going away. And she rips out the wires after unsuccessfully smashing it with a rock, and it powers down. And she is elated and terrified at once. The beautiful expression. And that is the end of the episode. It is such an amazing note to leave it on, to be like, oh, that's why they didn't get rescued. And it's so... The entire episode, you, or at least I, was so sympathetic to her. I guess I forgot a bit about her drowning the rat in the previous episode. <laughs> I was like, oh, poor Misty. Misty is amazing. Everybody should be so grateful. And then like, oh. <laughs> oh, she's still an evil psychopath. I still love her, though. And nobody is going to make me stop loving Misty. This doesn't fit anywhere else, but you referred to her as having almost medical training. <laughs> like, I forgot she forgot her almost medical training. That was great. <laughs> so yeah, now that we've gone through that episode, do you have any more thoughts on it? Hardly ever. <laughs> so so you think it was good? Yeah, it was good. Which do you think was better of the two, that or the pilot? Uh, Probably the second one, yeah. It's interesting. I still slightly prefer the pilot. I think it's yeah, just... but it doesn't have someone's leg getting gruesomely chopped off. That's a lot about you, Matthew. You're a simple man with simple tastes. <laughs> I think I prefer the direction and the elegant characterization of the pilot, but this is also a great episode. So yeah, off to a great start with this show. Uh, next up is episode three, Welcome to the Dollhouse, a reference to the great Todd Salon's film of the same name. Looking forward to that. I've been Justin, and he has been Matthew. It was very good talking to you, my friend. And you as well. Yes, that's all we have time for, listeners. Be well, and remember, we're not out of the woods yet. <laughs>